Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Virtual Viewpoints podcast, produced by the Michigan Virtual Learning Research Institute, a division of Michigan Virtual. The aim of this podcast is to amplify the voices of those working in K-12 online and blended learning and allow them to tell their stories, sharing perspectives on their work and the continued evolution of our field. This episode is the fifth in our series documenting the FUSE Architect Project, a collaboration between the Nellie May Education Foundation, the Highlander Institute, and several other Rhode Island-based stakeholders endeavoring to design and pilot systems that promote student-centered learning. In this episode, we're excited to talk with Emily Zilli, science teacher at Rogers High School in Newport, Rhode Island, and four of her students who are participating in some student-centered learning models. We also talk about their work for the upcoming Science Fair, an example of a project-based, student-directed learning experience benefiting from the FUSE architect influence. With that, let's dive right into the interview. Okay, welcome everyone. We are here with Mrs. Emily Zilli, a science teacher at Rogers High School. And we are going to hear from Emily as well as some of her students, including Graham, Jack, and Eliza, who are juniors, as well as Anna, who is a sophomore at Rogers, about some of the work that they're doing in part, as part of the FUSE Architect program and the upcoming science fair as well. So welcome everybody and thank you so much for joining us. Thank Hi. you. Hi. <laughs> So, um, Emily, well, let's start with you. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do there at the school and uh, some of the maybe the courses that you teach and some of your involvement with other things like the science fair as well? Sure. So I'm a science teacher at Rogers High School, and this year I currently teach um, chemistry. I have three sections, three different sections. I have AP chemistry, honors chemistry, and college prep chemistry. And so um, this year we decided with the science fair that we were going to have, we always have our AP science students partake in the science fair. Um, and then the last, this is our second year, we've decided to have our honors chemistry students also participate. That Those are our first year students. So we have them participating in the science fair as well. And so with this process, they get to select their topic of choice and they get to run an experiment or engineer a project based on that. And we guide them through the steps um, using the scientific method. And it, it spreads from September till December this year. And we go through the different steps together. And from that, they create um, a pretty nice sized lab report documenting the process that they've done and also a tri-board that they then use to present um, come December 20th when we have our whole science fair for the school and judges come in to judge to see how well they did on this. Excellent. So it sounds like it's a pretty involved semester-long project that really um, takes a lot of effort for these students. I would definitely agree with that, and I'm sure they would as well. <laughs> That's great. So um, could you tell us a little bit more about your participation in the FUSE Architect program? Um, maybe what you guys at, at, at Rogers were hoping to accomplish by working with FUSE Architect and how you feel like things are going? So we signed on to be a part with the FUSE Architect program because we were looking to have a little bit more of a student-centered approach to um, our teaching methods and also to personalize some of the projects that we're doing within the subject area. So with this, we thought um, science fair is a piece that we had been doing a little bit before anyhow, and that we would use this as a personalized portion because the students get to pick their own topics and explore what they're interested in and go um, about it in that method. We also, in chemistry, in the honors and the CP chemistry courses, we've been doing uh, more of a playlist style where the students get to choose their method of learning the content and then they have various ways to show how they can demonstrate that content. 
and the timeline is a little bit more up to them, or it's a little more flexible, um, so they can kind of decide when they want to choose to do things. So the science fair fits into that, and then also within the classes, we were, like I said, trying to work more into um, personalizing our instruction and also making it more student-centered for the students. Excellent. And so, so you mentioned a little bit about the kind of dual approach between um, the, the playlist approach and the chemistry courses and then the science fair as well. I'm, I'm curious to learn a little bit more about the science fair, and I think that's what we'll be able to learn from, from talking to our students today as well. Um, so, so can you share maybe some specific examples of um, what you've seen in terms of students really being able to um, incorporate some of their own voice and some of their own choice uh, in working in the science fair projects? Students are able to pick a topic that's um, appealing to them, and some students have picked things that are relevant to things going on in their community um, in Newport, Rhode Island, and then other students are able to pick something that maybe they just saw on YouTube and they wanted to kind of recreate. Um, an example of that would be a student who wanted to charge a cell phone using a watermelon. He had seen it on YouTube and he thought it would be kind of cool to see if it's more efficient than using a regular iPhone charger. Um, so he set up a watermelon in a salinated solution and then tried to charge his iPhone from there. Uh, it turned out that it was not successful, but it was something that was interesting to him. He went through the method, he adjusted his procedure as he went throughout it, and ended up coming to conclusion that, you know, the YouTube guy had something else going on that he could not recreate. So that was just appealing to him and also, um, you know, gave him some, a set of data and was able to analyze it and come to some conclusions that it didn't really work out the way he had hoped it would um, and was able to kind of tweak it from there. Hmm. Um, I've had a student in the past who um, created and enhanced a potato gun that was more of an engineering problem that he had done and um, went through and worked through that potato gun to make it even better so that he could get the potato to launch an even further distance than it originally had. So that was definitely appealing to that student and he ended up getting great results from it. Of course, we didn't let him bring the potato gun into school, so it was all, you know, via video that we saw his results, but um, still working through the process and making changes as the students go has helped them as they're creating their project and thinking about what topics they're interested in. Great. Thank you for that. So, so I have to say, I've heard from um, folks at Highlander and other folks who are affiliated with this project about how great the science fair is. And so I'm just curious a little bit, maybe from your perspective, how you think um, the science fair is different from what we might think of as a typical high school science fair and um, what you think makes it uh, unique or like really engaging for your students. Well, I don't know if they would all say that it's engaging right at this moment because we're like kind of in the process of, you know, they've just turned in a lab report and they're still working towards their um, poster presentation. So I don't know if they would all agree with that at the moment. Um, but based on the feedback we get once the science fair is over and they can reflect on it, it's always been very positive that they've enjoyed going through the process, taking ownership of whatever the topic is, and either learning from what they have gained or learning from what went wrong and how to overcome and problem solve what it is that they were looking to do. Um, some other nice skills that have come out of this too are lots of times students come back saying their time management, they really needed to focus on what they were doing because as the science fair is happening over the course of the semester, we're still doing regular content in the classroom. So not a ton of time is given for science fair. I would say probably about four to five class periods um, to help guide the students through it, but they're doing a lot of this on their own time and after school so that is definitely something that they are working on as they're going through their topic and deciding when they're going to do different parts of, of the project. That's great. Um, 
can you can you tell us again? You may have mentioned this already, but how many students are participating this year? This year we have over eighty entries. That's great. And what are some of those requirements? I know you mentioned the the kinds of things that um, lead up, and maybe uh, it sounds like there are sp some specific students who are enrolled in certain courses who have to participate. But are there any other kind of requirements that we didn't touch on? So the overall requirement um, is if you're an AP Science student. So we offer AP Biology, AP Physics One, and AP Chemistry. So all of those students, right off the bat, know that they're going to be participating in the science fair. And then students in the honors chemistry sections, they also are participating in the science fair. So um, we have that gives us about the 80 students. And then with that, along the way, they have to pick their topic, and then we talk about the topics that are selected and what they could be doing to, if it's a good topic, or if it might be a topic too difficult or too large in size to um, really take on in that period of time. Once they've decided on their topic, then we start moving through and, and researching so that the students can find out how it's been done, if it's been done in the past, um, and learn a little bit more about their topic. Then from there, they have to come up with, they start writing their lab report, basically. They have their background, and they decide what their procedure will look like. They submit the procedure to their teacher to go through it to make sure there's no safety or hazard issues that we, um, you know, that we could take into consideration. Once the procedure is approved, they can go from there and start collecting their data. So, and then they submit what their data will look like or as they're in the process of doing their data, collecting their data, checking it in to make sure that they're on the right track, that they're using the right kind of data tables or they're correct, collecting the correct amount of information, um, doing the right amount of trials. So we talk about that as a teacher-student conversation um, as to what things maybe they need to fix or adjust to come up with a better result. And then from there, that's kind of halfway through their lab report. They, they finish up their data, they analyze it, conclude and return in their, a full lab report to their teacher for submission. So that's the process we're in right now, is they've submitted their lab reports, most of the students, and I'm working on feedback for those. Once they've got their feedback, then they can go forward and either make some changes to their project and, and or they're fine and they're in good shape, and then they can start to create their poster board that will be displayed for the science fair and start practicing how they're going to present to the judges when they come to take a look at them on December 20th. So that's the process that we go through throughout the semester from September through December of getting them ready for their final presentation, which is when people from the community come in and ask the kids questions and, and score them on a standardized rubric uh, sheet. Very cool. Um, and so we went, we want to make sure before we wrap up that we want to make sure that people know what the date is, right, so we can advertise a little bit so folks can come check out all the awesome work that, that the students are doing. Absolutely. So it's December 20th at Rogers High School in the Science Wing, and it's from 8.30 to 11 a.m. Awesome, awesome. So um, we'll, we'll reiterate that, and we'll post it with the podcast episode, too, uh, on, on our text on the page. So um, one last question for you. I'm just curious. Have you do, do you think the science fair has evolved a little bit over time to become more student-centered or changes to kind of help incorporate that voice and choice from students as it's grown? Absolutely. Over the past I don't know, six to seven years that we've done it, there's definitely um, more flexibility for the students and we've grown more, a little bit more of a base of, of ideas that the students can do and who they can reach out to in the community for assistance as well. Um, and the nice thing we're finding that as we have the first year chemistry students participate in the science fair, well now they're sitting in an AP science usually the next year, some of them, and they're doing the science fair again and their product looks even better in their second year now that they've done it more than one time. Great. 
That's awesome. And I'm sure it'll continue to grow too. We'll, we'll touch on that before we wrap up as well. So I want to jump over to Graham, Jack, Eliza, and Anna. I'm curious to know, um, let's let's think about before you finalized what project your, your project was going to be and how you were going to work on it, um, what steps might have you have taken to prepare for the fair? What kind of help did you go out and seek or get, get from some, some folks around the school or the community? Um, so I was really interested in doing something with, like, speakers. I don't know. I find, like, personal interest in that. So I kind of tried to look around at, like, the science towards speakers and, like, look into it and see if I could actually, like, make a project, like an engineering project. Um, and I was originally going to make a speaker and see how I could, like, improve on it and, like, get the sound a little better. But that didn't work out for me. Um, but I still – I did the – how – different pHs of acid rain affect rate of corrosion, which I still find really interesting. Um, so, yeah, I kind of just looked around first about what I was interested in, and then eventually I just kind of moved on to something that was, like, more science-related. <laughs> cool. Anybody else want to share? Um, the science fair project that I was interested in was creating some kind of system for desalination. And so my big issue was I had to figure out a way to, or I had to figure out a process in order to get the desalination. So that, my biggest interest was going around to people and knowing like the different ways that was possible and seeing if it was like affordable for me to do for science, but or for the science fair. Very cool. So I, and I want to hear from, from everybody too. I'm, I'm curious about um, what you're excited about getting into this process. Anybody else want to talk about, you know, what you really enjoy about working on your project for the science fair? Yeah, so I would go sailing over the summer and see around the footings of the bridge, the Newport Bridge, that the water would rush really fast. So I started thinking um, about that, and I decided to build a water turbine that could, or build a design for a water turbine that could um, power all the lights on the bridge. And I found this really interesting because I um, concluded that it would, um, a water turbine would work under the bridge and would produce enough electricity, so it was really interesting to find this out and find a solution to a problem. Very cool. For my project, I did how radiation affects plants, and um, at first finding a topic for me was really difficult, but um, I found this one and I had some trouble getting it started, but it ended up going well, and my results came out well, and so that was really exciting for me. Because I didn't expect it to go very well. <laughs> <laughs> can you can you tell us about what was giving you some struggles at the beginning? Yeah. So um, I had some communication issues. I had emailed someone at URI for like a radiation, like a nuclear reactor, like a nu nuclear reactor, and. Um, like, I swapped a few emails with him, but then he started not getting back to me. And, like, under the time constraints, like, after I reached out to him a couple more times and he wasn't getting back to me, I was like, okay, I can't really do this anymore. So I decided instead of using um, the nuclear reactor, I decided to use a microwave and um, simulate, like, electromagnetic radiation from the microwave instead. Nice. I can say that being resourceful like that and being able to kind of adapt based on things that you have and getting over those barriers, that's something that's really going to come in handy throughout your whole life is just being able to go with the flow. So kudos to you for being able to do that. That's awesome. 
Thank you. Uh, so, um, you know, Emily just mentioned the fact that uh, some of you might not be enthused with the process right now because it's a lot of work. Are there, are there any other challenges that you're going through right now as you get ready to prepare for the, the big show? Anything else that you guys are thinking about working through struggles on? Um, I'd say the worst of it is done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think um, probably the hardest part was writing the lab report because that's like where all of the information is. Like once once we have our lab reports done, though, um, it's it's really easy to kind of like refer to that and like you can use that to make your poster board and like do all the other parts of the like science projects. So yeah, like after you have that, you're pretty much set. Great. Well, and Gr cool. Grams was had a lot of data to go along with it. Yeah. So you want, do you want to speak to that and then the calculation part as well? A little so, bit? Um, I did, you know, I'll say again, I did my project on how different pHs of acid rain affect rate of corrosion. So a lot of my stuff was just um, like simulating acid rain with like steel wool and how they react and oxidize and stuff like that. Um, so I had like a lot of data, like not only quant, Qualitative, but also like qualitative. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know. It was once I got the experiment done, it was like it was pretty easy to um, like get all the data rounded up and like write it into my lab report. So yeah, that's pretty much it. Great. Cool. Well, I want to thank all you guys for sharing your experiences with us, and it's really helpful for us to know exactly um, how we can continue to do work like this that really, I think, puts students at the center and kind of helps them pursue their own learning goals and their own learning path. So I really, really appreciate the work that you guys do, and I know you're working hard to, to uh, be able to get ready, like I said, for the big show coming up. Um, Emily, I just have a couple more more questions for you. I'm curious about uh, some next steps as a, uh, as it relates to participating in Fuse Architect. Anything that you have some hopes for and, and where it might go from here? And maybe if you want to talk a little bit more about those playlists also, I think people might be interested in hearing a little bit more about how that works too. Sure. So um, next steps for, for myself in terms of what's going on in our classroom is in one of my sections of chemistry, um, I'm going to start to implement the Summit platform. I go on to the training over the summer, um, and I wasn't. We didn't have all the pieces in place right at the beginning of the year to try that. However, um, we kind of have those most of those pieces in place right now. And so, with one of my classes, I'm going to use that approach. And another teacher, Mrs. Coleman, who also teaches that same level of chemistry, we're both going to implement Summit together. Um, I started today actually, and she's starting next Monday. So that's going to be a little bit different than what I'm doing in the other chemistry with the playlist. Um, but, so we're going to kind of sort through that and see if that's going to increase the student's interest in chemistry and if it's going to increase their engagement as well and give us a better product or better understanding of what they're learning. So that's the next piece that I'm, I'm looking to tweak there. Um, and then in terms of the playlist, so right now I use a Google Doc playlist and when I roll out a new unit, and I start a new topic, I give the students um, options as to what they can, how they can learn about the topic. So I can, they can do a small group instruction with me. They could do a video that I've chosen or a video they find on their own about the topic, or they can use reading in their text, a reading in their textbook or a reading excerpt that I've either found for them online or that they have found themselves. And so that is new because last year I had done the playlist but didn't incorporate that portion of them getting to choose how they learned the option, like they, I didn't give them options to do that. It was just directly from me. So that's been a change and a shift this year um, that we've been working on and tweaking to get them 
engaged and interested in and also like meeting their needs as to how they learn best. Um, mm -hmm. And so Anna might be able to speak a little bit to that because Anna is currently in honors chem and so she is right in the midst of the playlist deal right now. So she is, yeah. <laughs> she's right in the middle of it. <laughs> um, so for me, I usually choose to watch the video just because like it's fast and I kind of like to go on my own time to be completely honest. <laughs> and like I like to get things done. So like recently I've been, um, like over the weekends, I'll just like do the whole playlist and then I'll come in and I'll have questions from Ms. Zilly and like I'll redo some stuff and she'll check things off and then I'll take the quiz and it like has worked pretty well for me so far. Um, the first time I did it was a little <laughs> rough because like I, w I was just getting back into like the swing of things and whatnot, but um, now since I've had four, four or so, yep. um, I've actually come to kind of like them. They're nice. <laughs> and it is, like Anna said at the beginning, it's a little bit different than maybe what how they're um, getting their information in other classes because there's a little bit more choice to it, and then they're starting to be able to decide how they want to learn the material. And in the class period, it's, okay, it's a playlist day, so see what's on the playlist, what kind of formative assessments do you need to do, do you need to take notes, do you want to take the practice quiz again, are you ready for the quiz? So there's a little bit more flexibility in what you do with the day or the class period rather. Um, so that is definitely a little bit much at the beginning for these students because you can just see them burning time up, not doing what they probably should be doing, but you also want them to learn at the same time. So it's like you're watching the train wreck about to happen, but you just can't quite stop it because you want to give them some freedom to make that decision and then hopefully learn from that decision, whether that was a good choice or a bad choice and adjust from there. So I would say on a whole right now, the students are definitely in the swing of things and they're making much better choices to use their class time for. And also they're using time out of class for anything that they're maybe not understanding or um, to get things accomplished within that playlist. So that's been that's a nice awesome. change to see throughout the year. Yeah, yeah, that that's awesome. You know, freedom and choice are are big, hefty things sometimes, and it takes a little while to get used to. So it sounds like uh, things are they're getting to that point where students are really taking advantage of having that added flexibility and those options. So that's good to hear, and we definitely wish you the best of luck as you implement that new system and uh, you kind of make tweaks as 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 needed as they go along. Great, thank you so much. Sure. So before we wrap up, then, I just want to make sure I give you an opportunity if there's anything else you'd like to share with us uh, and as well to kind of reiterate that, that date and time so we get folks interested in the fair itself. Sure. So um, just the students who now this is your second time doing science fair, do you want to share? Is it better? Is it worse? Are you glad you're doing it? Give a little feedback on this is your second time through. I think it's better because I know how to manage my time and I pick the topic that I'm more interested in. But I think this year was also harder because I picked a topic that was a little bit um, bigger and I didn't really have a super sturdy like plan going into it. But I definitely learned a lot this year. And you've used, you want to talk about the resources you've used outside of class as well in the community? Oh, so I contacted, when I was building my water turbine, I contacted um, the Rhode Island Bridge and Turnpike Authority to learn about the power usage of the bridge. And then I also contacted a bunch of turbine companies to learn about what they do and what kind of turbines they use and how they test their turbines and what I should be doing to build mine. I also think that it helps with like your skills and like reaching out to people and like I don't know organizations you don't know like well I just gave a really good example of that she like emailed like a like a I don't know the 
the bridge corporation right so like it helps your social skills kind of as well like with dealing with other people and like being able to ask for help and stuff in like a certain project yeah that can be intimidating i mean i know like just when i started doing this podcast i just wanted to talk to people who were doing interesting work but you know they've never met me before like (laughs) how do i kind of how do i kind of reach out to people and and build that trust and that relationship and prove that it's worth their time to actually talk to me or help me out right so you're right it's definitely a skill that will come in handy no, and that's something we definitely would like to build on, too, is some of these students have done a great job of cold calling or cold emailing um, local companies or organizations to, to, you know, get some information or to get some help or assistance. Um, and Anna had mentioned how she reached out to the nuclear reactor people over at URI's Bay campus, um, and she was not able to really follow through with them, but they are working with one another one of our students, um, and he had done his science fair project last year with them. He was irradiating strawberries to see how much longer it per- preserve the strawberries over time. And then that student now this year is going back to the reactor and he has taken the same project but now extended it to figure out, well, what's the difference in the vitamin C content based on how long they've been irradiated for. So he was able to have some success with that and get himself there and to be able to manage that portion of it. So these students are creating some um, partnerships with these outside agencies, which is great if you can make that connection and get that to work. Um, But it's not, like Anna said, it's not always possible and that part makes all right now you've got to make some tweaks here because you know the deadline is the deadline and we have to be um pretty conscious of that because these students have other things going on we've got a national history day that's coming up in january we've got students who are you know in ap other ap classes so their time is very valuable um so at some point if you can't hear back from that professional organization you've got to move on to something else mm-hmm. sure so that's yep. definitely something we'd like to do in the in the future is you know have more of a network of these people who could help our students if they have if they have an interest in something um, that has to do with their company or their organization. That's great. Yeah, and I think I would hope that doing more to bring more attention to the awesome work that the students are able to do and to the fair itself would help be able to build that network up. So that's that's great to hear. Absolutely. That's what we're hoping for. And we do have some local organizations who are coming to be science fair judges. And so hopefully these are some, some of these have not come before. So we're hoping that this new um, – partnership will maybe lead to them wanting to work with our students or having the time to work with our students next year as well. Hmm, that's awesome. Well, cool. Anything else before we wrap up then? Uh, no, I don't think so. Nothing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank all of you guys so much again. And Emily, if you want to state that date and time again. Sure. So December 20th, Rogers High School in the Science Fair Wing, from, uh, Science Wing rather, from 8.30 to 11 a.m., will be the cool. science there. That's great. Well, I want to wish everybody the best of luck this year, and I'm sure it's going to go off without any hitches. Thank you, Thank everyone. You. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Bye, guys. Have a great rest of your day, okay? You Bye. Thank you, too. Bye. Once again, that was Emily Zilly and a few of her students at Rogers High School in Newport, Rhode Island. Listening to Emily and the students talk about the messiness, uncertainty, and challenges encountered when doing student-centered work was inspiring, and it's clear that these students are gaining and practicing skills that will continue to serve them throughout their lives. It's also clear that the students are being rewarded in real time for their efforts, producing impressive projects and learning about the scientific process along the way. We wish Emily and all of the students the best of luck going forward. 
Be sure to check out our episode description on our podcast page for links to more information on the Fuse Architect project, and check back on our SoundCloud channel for new episodes for this series playlist as they become available. We want to once again thank Emily and all the students for taking the time to talk with us today, and thank you for listening. We also want to encourage all of you to make use of the resources and opportunities provided by MVLRI and Michigan Virtual. You can check out our website to learn more about all the work that we do as we strive to advance K-12 education through digital learning, research, innovation, policy, and partnerships. Visit us at michiganvirtual.org to see more. We look forward to seeing you again soon on another edition of the Virtual Viewpoints podcast. Until then, take care.